Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Ah, Belgium. What comes to mind when you think of this of this country? Chocolate? Waffles? World War One tragedies? Okay, maybe the last one's just me. Uh, however, this this little country nestled between France and Germany takes the best of both. They have all the beer love of Germany and the snootiness of France. But from their Trappist monasteries to their Pilsners, they do have a lot to offer. So we're going to talk about them today, and maybe, just maybe, have a drink. Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Hello. How's, there, how's everybody doing? Pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah, we're doing uh, pretty well. Um, we've gotten a lot done at the apartment this weekend, so... That's good. It's nice. I have, uh, I've been slowly trying to get some stuff packed and unpacked over here. Hmm. Oh, uh, yes, the great. You you get to deal with the uh, mass unpacking now. We're yes. looking out of boxes until you find the time to put things away. Right. Uh, my parents did come over uh, to, to see the new place uh, last week and left me with so much peanut butter candy. Mm. Oh, don't even say that. <laughs> like, it's it's a dish this big. Gosh. It's peanut no. butter... Marshmallow fluff, butter, sugar, walnuts for consistency. <laughs> huh. So it's like fudge, but not. Not fudge. Yeah. No, it does not have the consistency of fudge. Huh. It wishes it was as, as stiff as fudge, but no, it just. That is also what she said. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, no, I have too much of it, though. Like, I can't eat that much. And. And my roommate was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's okay. You fool. <laughs> no, like literally one piece is enough. To, I'm like, nope, that's that's enough. Uh, I've had my sugar intake for the week. Because you're not a sweets person. I would have probably eaten half of it in like two days. Because <laughs> I have a problem. I gave like half to, uh, maybe not quite half, but I gave I gave a, an amount to my coworkers. Well, that's fair, yeah. Ah. Uh, but other than that, been a been a dumb week with not much, not much good. Been looking forward to the podcast. Hmm. Yeah, spent the spent the week looking forward to the weekend, and now we have to go on Monday, and baby's getting tubes in his ears. Yeah, mm. sad. I know it's not that big of a deal, but it's still just like, oh, he's too little. I just don't like it. I mean, that's the point of putting tubes in his ears. You yeah. grow out of them. 
Yeah, and like, you know, he's also too little to be this sick this often. Yeah, my sister had tubes in her ears. I, I didn't. I was a healthy baby, but... <laughs> I was I was healthy, except that, like, I was just accident-prone, so... Mm. Uh, no, the... I'm sure he'll be fine. It'll, it it will help a lot. They put they put tubes in my niece's ears, and all of a sudden there's a lot fewer infections as she was. Yeah, that's uh, I can't wait for that because he's already coughing and and snotty again and everything, and I'm just like seriously, <laughs> can we not? Well, so yeah, uh, we don't have too much going on, but we do have a uh, a catch up on where we stand in the movie draft. It, are we still at second place? Or are we going to be in third? Well, Spoilers. <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet, so I actually don't oh. know. <laughs> Welcome to your Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of July 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. So I got kicked out of karaoke last night for singing Danger Zone six times in a row. Something about too many logins attempts. Let's go to the scoreboard. <laughs> Team Game Night's in last place with $210.5 million. Team The Bond Squad's in fifth place with $329.6 million. Team Drunkard's Gaming is in fourth place with $381.8 million. Team Everdrink is in third place with $774.7 million. Team Retro Misery is in second place with $846.1 million. And in first place, it's Team Movie Party with $1,246.2 million. Let's just dream Team Movie Draft Minute. All totals are accurate as of July 13th, 2019. Maybe we'll come I'm, back I'm, in the winter. <laughs> I'm glad Kent and Amos are doing well like they're our friends i i I want good things for them but but it didn't hurt as much losing first place as it does losing second yeah yeah because then you just keep sliding and it's like i just look at them like how could they have portrayed us like this so we will they were smarter we will be better and not shoot from uh shoot from our guts the way we did this last we should we look we shoot from our guts in the winter Maybe maybe drunk Bob is just calibrated for winter. <clears throat> Could be. Could I mean, be. that's what I, how I feel. We shopped with our hearts, not with our heads. Look, we were we were we were gambling. We we had to try to create a thing, and we were expecting Endgame to 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 go for way way more than it ended up going. Yeah. It was, it was Honestly, weird. if we had if we had just thrown caution to the wind and gone with that, get the price it was going for. But you know, time has passed. Yeah. Now, now we lose. We don't even get runner-up status now. It's all right. All right. Uh, well, here's where we uh, usually shoehorn in some news for you, but that has its own show now, and you can check out this week's news episode and get some great, uh, great stories like, oh, California just changed the legal definition of beer for the state of California, and um, you can get some. What what do we Don- call it? Donna Vulin. Donna oh, Vulin. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Or, uh, yeah. We had another name we came up for. Lago Julio? Lago Julio, but, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> either, either way. I mean, you can go uh, tune into the news episode and figure out what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> but until you get to that, we have a topic. Been on that truck. Seeking bastards. Been on that truck. Been on that truck. Been on that truck. In case you're wondering, uh, there was no untapped, and this is actually a lot larger than we thought it was going to be of a topic, so we kind of had to just get to it. Mm, yeah. yeah, but that's that's good, because uh, instead of it really being one topic, it's kind of three topics. Yeah. 
we, we've, we've done a lot of talking about around beers in Belgium before. Yes, yeah, so like a yes. lot of our topics moving forward, you're going to see a lot of these things starting to like cut in on past episodes and things are going to start being related to each other but it's giving you this more like a fuller picture mm-hmm. of everything like it's all all the pieces are starting to come together now this one we're mostly doing belgian ales uh a lot of great belgian beer are ales uh but specifically we're going to be doing about three different ones we're not doing the trappists they're they're according to the BJCP, not Belgian. Well, they are. No, they're their own thing. This is so. This is it's what true. the BJCP uh, style guide for Belgian ale, which is three subcategories tied into that. Because the other Belgian beers are their own very more distinct categories. Yeah, it's true. Don't worry. These these three ales will fill you. These three ales will thrill you. <laughs> Why don't you drink with us? Three ales. Three ales. If if we had done real planning, each of us would have had a separate ale, like a different yeah. one of the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you <laughs> but know, we don't do real planning. We don't. We 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 follow our hearts here. We all have something the... vaguely Belgian. Right. Uh, drinking from our glasses from New Belgium. Exactly. Which uh, again, we're all everyone who came to drink Tacular got. Uh, New Belgium, great Belgian ale glassware. So, oh god, I'm still chasing that dragon of that trip. Like <laughs> every so often, I just think back to that New Belgium tour and like, I want to go again. Yep. Well, so let's talk a little bit about this here. The Belgian brewing scene uh, is littered with Belgian pails, which were originally brewed to compete with the German with the uh, pilsners of the World War II era. Traditionally, they differ from. Uh, other regional pale ales by being less bitter, using aged hops for a delicate hop finish, and having a sweet to toasty malt overtones. Now, they should be decanted properly, uh, leaving the yeast in the bottle. No no tipping your dregs over, mixing that in. Uh this showcase, uh, this will showcase a, their brilliant color, ranging from pale straw yellow to various amber hues. Most be crowned with a thick, clingy, rocky white head. Wow, that was much more suggestive than I was expecting it I was to be. I gonna say that's that's what she said. <laughs> Adrian. <laughs> oh. uh, whoa, whoa! Where are we going with that one? <laughs> that that Rocky Balboa shouted Adrian. I, where were you going? I don't know. My comment mixed with your comment starts going to really weird places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Brittany, just no, move on. Stop this. Don't think too long. Flavors and aromas will vary. Some have natural spice uh, character that contributed by yeast and hops, and others are deliberately spiced. There, uh, There's also a more recent trend to making hoppier pale ales to entice the U.S. market, uh, and it's hop heads. Yes. Cater to our whims, Europe. <laughs> be like be like the forties and fifties again. <laughs> uh, now there are many types of Belgian ales, as we mentioned, from Trappist to Lambics. We have their own episodes. You can go listen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we're going to be covering uh, Belgian ale from category twenty-four, the BJCP, or as we call it, the Have a Drink Bible. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, if I we mean... weren't before, we're going to call it that now. Uh, <laughs> and that comprises Witbeer, 
which is category 24A, the Belgian Pale Ale, category 24B, and Beer de God, category 24C. So, starting off, good old 24A, Wit Beer. Probably should say Wit Beer, it's how we would pronounce it here, but... Americanize that shit. <laughs> Wit Beer, which is white beer in Flemish, are yet another example of a style that nearly expired. Uh, but is now quite popular uh, following an enthusiastic rebirth called Beer Blanche in France, uh, also meaning white beer. Hmm. So white. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wits developed a, as a regional specialty east of Brussels, uh, including the city of Lovan and the village of Hodengarden and the farmlands of Brabant. I don't know if I said... I may have said uh, Hoden Garden, right? Hogarden. Yeah, yeah, close enough. No idea. Blessed with sinfully rich soil and a spirited agrarianism, uh, Brabrant's farmers uh, tended fields of barley, wheat, and oats, which are all utilized in traditional wit beers. Uh, The practice of adding spices in the brew kettle remained as long uh, long after hops uh, became the predominant flavoring elsewhere. Hello, hot beverages. Welcome to the show. This is not terribly surprising, as some of the Spice Islands were colonized in the late 16th and uh, early 17th century, when Belgium was part of the Netherlands, and ancient local herbs gave way to foreign spices. Uh, There is one thing I do want to mention, kind of off the script here. Uh, A lot of the history sections we would typically do for some of this, not so much here, because a lot of these were just made by farmers in French, German, and Belgian properties, and Mm. eventually became styles, like... There's less, you know, this one man went out there and brewed this beer and brought it to the masses. It's right. It's just sort of like we're going away from the big, big uh, the the great man theory, the great brewer theory of history and <laughs> and more going to the, the common uh, man, the trends and the trends and forces version of brewing. Well, uh Whitbeer uh, was the dominant style in, uh, immediately east of Brussels recently as the 18th century. Uh, but in the 19th century, the onslaught of the pale lager ushered in the decline of many regional brews. Uh, as the world became smaller, local fare seemed old-fashioned and new products exhilarating. Uh, in Hohengarten, uh, the Hohengarten, sorry, I want to put an in there for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> the cradle of Whitbeer, the demise culminated finally in 1960. But no wit beers were being brewed. It was a dark day. I was waiting for you to take your hat off and. Uh, yeah, but one hand had had my beer, and the other hand was trying to scroll. Ah. There we go. <laughs> uh, all but extinct, wit beer uh, had on its side one of the great proponents of craft beer in the past forty years. He was not about let something so personally significant uh, disappear. His name was Pierre Seri. And his spunk and vitality are symbolized in the very beer that he resurrected, and without whom we'd be pining for the fields, the Belgian fields. Now we'd be pining over memories of the vanished Belgian style. Uh, Pierre Sellers grew up and worked as a milkman in Hogarden. Uh, lamenting the loss of his cherished wit beer, he decided to make his own. He purchased some brewing equipment, fitted out a small brewery, and in, by 1966 was producing. He named the brewery Duclus, the Cloister in reverence to the roots of monastic brewing. Uh, the popularity of Silas's wit beer goaded others, and by the mid, uh, mid-80s, they're being brewed in Belgium. Uh, 
Texas brought his expertise to Austin, Texas, uh, with the same approach of using local ingredients as much as possible. And he founded Celis Brewing in 1992. His influence is still seen across America and Canada. Canada. Whatever. No, you said it right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what defines a wit beer? These are dubbed white beers and not wheat beers because the pale, almost milky glow of the brew. There are two requirements of the style. First, it must contain up to 50% wheat. Sometimes a small amount of raw oats are added. And the effect of the raw wheat and oats on the palate is a silky smooth mouthfeel, playing tar- uh, playful tart and honeyish contrast and noticeable fruitiness. Mm-hmm. Of equal importance to the wit beer is the use of spices. Use eleven of them, I believe, right? <laughs> Herbs and spice. No, yes. No, that's just for, chicken. No, no. So we have to get a hold of Casey immediately. He has to do a Kentucky wit beer with eleven <laughs> herbs and spices. Oh. <laughs> and the tap uh, handle or a label for it has to have some kind of like his face as Colonel Sanders, like done in the KFC logo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it could just be called Eleven Herbs and Spices. Yeah, I mean, what else do you need to do? Uh, uh, CB. No, never mind. I was going to say like something like Casey Brewed Beer oh. or Kentucky <laughs> Brewed yeah. Beer. Uh, anyway, the uh, the predominant spice is always coriander, freshly ground and added to the kettle late uh, to retain its aroma. Should fairly gush from the glass. So, according to the Beach ACP, the aroma should be a moderate sweetness with light notes of honey and or vanilla, a light, grainy, spicy wheat aromatics. Again, not, uh, not uh, uh, you know, hot sauce spicy, but mm, yeah, uh, coriander, anise, that kind of stuff. Uh, off with a bit of tartness. Moderate, perfumey coriander, often with a complex herbal, spicy, or peppery note in the background. Moderate zest, uh, citrus, uh, orangey fruitiness, uh, and a lot of spice, herbal, hop aroma is optional. Uh, But it should never overpower the other characteristics. I'm probably going to say this a bunch. No diacetyl. (laughs) There should not be butter in your wit beer. Uh, vegetal, celery-like, or ham-like aromas are inappropriate. <laughs> ham is always inappropriate in beer. I mean, sometimes. You shouldn't taste beer, I shouldn't taste ham while you're drinking, unless you're eating a ham sandwich. No, unless it's literally one of those, those like, meat-related beers, like the Scrapple one and, like, things like that, you know. Side note for meat, <laughs> meat-related beers, uh, Christian Morline is putting out a Geta Lager. Mm. Feels wrong. <sighs> Meat-related beer. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh, spices should blend with a fruity, floral, and sweet aromas and should not be overly strong. Uh, the appearance should be a very pale straw to very light golden color. The beer will be very cloudy from starch, haze, and or yeast, and it gives a milky, uh, whitish-yellow appearance. Dense, white, uh, moosey? Yeah, kind of like, like mo- moose, yeah. Okay. Uh, Moosey head, uh, the retention should be quite good. So you should see antlers jutting out from your beer. (laughs) It's going to be a nice, nice, thick, frothy head. Well, the flavor should have a pleasant sweetness, often with a honey and or vanilla character, and zesty, orange, citrusy fruitiness. 
refreshing crisp and often dry tart finish and uh, can have a low wheat flavor. I almost read like, can I have a low wheat flavor? <laughs> uh, well, optionally, it has a very light lactic tasting sourness. And we're all for sourness in beer, unless it's gone bad. I mean, yeah, unless it's a stout. Then, <laughs> yeah, then no. I don't want sour in my stout. But As Some uh, of the best uh, sour breweries have learned, nobody wants sour in their stout. Urban Artifact tried a couple sour stouts their first year and have never tried it again. Yeah. <laughs> he closed those doors and went, never again. Uh, herbal spicy flavors, which may include coriander and other spices, are common and should be subtle and balanced, not overpowering. A spicy uh, earth hop flavor is low to none. Uh, <laughs> earth hop. Is that the new... I feel like that's a new uh, uh, a new rap subgenre. Earth hop. All, so, so all about all about uh, environmental friendliness. They're all about the green party. Yeah. <laughs> a different kind of green party. <laughs> uh, well, uh, hop bitterness is uh, low. Sorry. Uh, anyway, if it is noticeable, this should never get in the way of the spices. The hop bitterness is low to medium low, as with Hefeweizen, and it doesn't interfere with the refreshing flavors of fruit and spice, nor does it persist on the finish. Bitterness should, uh, from orange pith should not be present. Vegetal, celery-like, ham-like, or <laughs> soapy flavors are inappropriate. That is correct. You should not have any kind of vegetables, celery, ham, or soap in anything that you consume. This is not a soup. This is t- just keep that in mind. Also, no diacetyl. You shouldn't be tasting butter. I mean, if you're eating popcorn, maybe. <laughs> or like a if delicious if crescent roll. If you're tasting metal, go get some iodine pills, as Chernobyl has taught me. <laughs> uh, overall impression: you should be light, elegant, tasty, moderate strength wheat-based ale. Mm. So yeah. I mean that sounds that sounds pretty good. I'm drinking something that's definitely not that. But <laughs> you know, earlier today when it was 4,600 degrees, that would have been pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that would have hit the spot. <laughs> anyway, the the comments the BJCP have for it is the presence and character and degree of spicing of lactic sourness varies. Overly spiced and or sour beers are not good examples of the style. Coriander and certain origins of certain origins might give an inappropriate ham or celery character. The beer tends to be fragile and does not age well. So younger, fresher, and properly handled examples are most desirable. Ooh. That's a it's a phrase that needs to make sure that you're talking about beer. Yep. Uh, most examples seem to be approximately five percent ABV. So it is good to know, uh, at least in that style, where the ham can come from. Uh, sources for coriander. Can some you... some kinds of coriander will give you give you some of that ham. Mm, good and hammy. Ugh. Look, I love ham on sandwiches. Ham in the right context. But not in my beer. It's, it's what turned me off to Roush beer. <laughs> not all Roush beer is hammy. Tastes like ham. All right, well, let's scoot on to 24B, the Belgian Pale Ale. And oh, I, I just, it kind of, no, that's Belgian IPA. Never mind, not Pale Ale. 
Never mind. I was going to say, oh, I should have gotten the uh, Raging Bitch from Flying Dog, but yeah. that's a Belgian that's... IPA. Yeah. Not exactly the same style. So, the Belgian Pale Ale is decidedly not just another ale, and certainly not just another pale ale. Uh, we should always be conscious of style differences, whether uh, within regions or among similar styles of different regions. So this is <coughs> the article that uh, I'm sourcing for this one was from beerandbrewing.com. Very lengthy article, but I really liked the section in it when they were comparing the Belgian Pale Ale because it is like its own creature, and the like. The best way to describe it is its differences from other styles that it closely resembles. Because it's really not what it is, but what it resembles. Isn't. <laughs> yeah, what it isn't that makes it what it is. It's it's really a weird beer. Like it's a it, it's a tough creature to wrap your mind around. So Belgian pale it's ale. A, <laughs> we're in a, a Socratic <laughs> thing here. We're 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 seeing the shadows around it. It's hard to. Yeah. We're in the cave. Yes. So the Belgian pale ale particularly invites and requires these comparisons and distinctions as it's a bit of a black sheep from both perspectives. Starting with the regional style beers, uh, we can see several discriminating factors. Wit beer is a close fit in the uh, most general terms, being itself a low ABV pale every day, quotes, beer, but its overall flavor is markedly different both in substance and in style. It exhibits very little of the rich, toasty malt characters of BPA, which this article is using for the Belgian Pale Ale. They just say BPA. Not a good acronym these days. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Uh, and instead leans on the protein-rich but unmalted wheat and oats in the grist for malt flavors. Both wit beer and BPA also feature fruit, uh, but whereas the BPA has more refined cocktail-like fruit character, the wit beer is distinctly zippy and tart. Even uh, I kind of want a fruit cocktail right now. <laughs> That's kind of me always. Even the derivation, if I can get my get my tongue to spit that out, uh, of these fruit flavors differs. In BPA, they are developed as esters, whereas in whip beer, they may be direct additions through the use of ingredients such as coriander, there it is again, and orange peel. Still awake. I'm getting better, guys. Getting better. Uh, BPA is also distinctly more bitter than wit beer. While it's accurate to say that they're both low ABV beers with some bite and a smoothing graininess, they come <coughs> they come with those characteristics in decidedly different ways. Likewise, we find some potential overlap with saison, especially the darker versions with their saison orange appearance. In Saisons, much like in BPA, we find uh, soft malts and significantly fruity flavors, but both styles uh, run too high and too low to be considered comparable. Uh, soft too- malts and suitably <laughs> fruity flavors feels like it should be describing Fruit Loops. <laughs> or like Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> That's the generic description of it. <laughs> yes. Uh, too high in that even Saisons' weaker examples begin at over 5% ABV, and too low in the almost ridiculously dry, attenuated character of its finish. Uh, While that makes for a pleasant balance, the sweet alcohols and initial honey-like malts coming in for a stark and clean landing 
Its flavor range is too broad to compare to BPA, which trades in a much narrower range. So if you want to know a little more about Saisons, hey, take this opportunity to say, check out our episode on Saisons. Mm-hmm. Tasty. Even the table strength versions of Saisons aren't very... Uh, an- Analogous. Yes, thank you. In that they're lower in alcohol but tend to be just as dry and prominently spicy, either thanks to fermentation or actual spice additions. You know, could go either way. Closest fit in the low low countries is probably Beer de Garde. It shares Mm. the, yeah, we're kind of hitting in these comparisons, you know, where it needs to hit, you know, the other ones in in the style category. Shares the multi-flavor uh, resemblance between the 2008 and 2015 BJCP style guide revisions, you know, the last major revisions we saw. Beer de Garde actually migrated from the Belgian and French category to the Belgian strong category. Uh, interestingly, we find a closer fit to BPA on the international stage. The closest match is by far... The ESA, ESB, or Strong Bitter, the English Strong Bitter. The English Strong Bitter. Yeah. Much as the BPA <clears throat> isn't pale, neither is the ESB especially pale. Here, too, we see the medium toasty malt profile uh, and supporting hops flavors and bitterness. <clears throat> Though, to be fair, ESBs are more hop forward than the BPA. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> the two share a com- <clears throat> common coming-of-age tale as well. The British beer, British beer becoming a staple of the domestic beer market uh, in the late 19th century, and for the same reasons. <clears throat> so, let's get into the BJCP on the Belgium Pale Ale. Your aroma is going to be a prominent aroma of malt with moderate fruity character and low hop aroma. Uh, toasty, biscuity, malt aromas may have an orange or pear-like fruitiness, though not as mm. uh, fruity or citrusy as many other Belgian ales. True, but you said pear again, and now I'm like, I still want that fruit cocktail. <laughs> Distinctive floral or spicy, low to moderate strength hop character, optimally blended with background-level peppery, spicy phenols. Again, uh, as was stated before, no diacetyl. You're not going to have uh, buttery Belgian pale ales. said phenols and esters in the same episode, and I'm I'm still up. Hasn't gone down yet. So appearance, uh, it's going to be amber to copper in color. Clarity is very good. Creamy, rocky white head often fades more quickly than other Belgian beers. Flavor is going to be fruity and light, uh, lightly to moderately spicy with a soft, smooth malt and relatively light hop character and low to very low phenols. Uh, may have an orange or pear-like fruitiness. There's that pear-like again. Uh, though not as fruity or citrusy as many other Belgian ales, has an initial soft, malty sweetness with a toasty, biscuity, nutty malt flavor. It's just making me want one. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> the hop flavor is low to none. So for a pale ale and having no hop flavor, that's just kind of rocking your brain there. Look, we've been in America all of our lives. All we know is is that hop when you have pale ale. Yeah. The hop bitterness is medium to low and is optimally com- uh, complemented by low amounts of peppery phenols. 
There is a moderately dry to moderately sweet finish, with the hops becoming more pronounced uh, in those with a drier finish. Your mouthfeel is going to be medium to medium light body. Alcohol level is restrained, and any warming character should be low if present. Not hot alcohol or solventy character. Uh, medium carbonation. Overall impression, you're going to have a fruit, fruity, moderately malty, somewhat spicy, easy-drinking, copper-colored ale. Sounds real good. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, so far, both of these two, I'm like, you know, this would be better for the a summer evening. Whereas well, uh, the Whitbeard would be great for the middle of the summer day. Like, it's just, all right, we're working in the evening here. Stages of, of summer. Yeah. So, uh, most commonly found in the Flemish provinces of Antwerp and Brabant, uh, considered everyday beers. Uh, yeah. com- compared to their higher alcohol category S cousins, they are Belgian session beers. For ease of drinking, nothing should be too pronounced or dominant. Balance is the key. So it's the Belgian beer ass beer. Isn't it? Isn't balance always the key? Actually, yeah. Generally. All right. Well, next up and uh, third on the list, for that matter, the beer de garde. Um, hopefully, <laughs> can I say that when fencing? Like, I just I want to start taking a fencing class. Beer de garde. Beer de garde. I want to take fencing that anyway. Doesn't make sense. Um, much like its sister, farmhouse ale, the Belgian style saison beer de garde is better known to European drinkers than to American craft beer lovers. Unlike Saisons, however, uh, Beers de Garde, which is apparently the plural, have yet to make it into the modern beer lovers' rotation of beers that are more prominently featured in craft beer circles. Hmm? Like when there's multiple attorney... Uh, it's attorneys general instead of attorney generals. I know, but it it, bother, it hurts me. I don't know why. Bugs the crap out of me. And the same thing with the... Uh, it, it's calls de sac instead of call de sacs. Mm-hmm. I don't know I why say, that... like surgeons general. Uh, what about? I'm still gonna constantly fi- try and figure out what's the plural on Jesus. Is it Jesus? Jesus's? Should there uh, be a plural? No, well, I mean, there are multiple people who are named Jesus, Brittany. Yeah. Well, you don't often refer to them in group form. How do you? Yeah. You know, uh, the other the other way to go for that though is. Uh, but then you're, uh, it's Jesus, not. Uh, I was going to say, there's the other way to go for that is, uh, uh, you know, what about multiple Spider-Men? Spiders uh, man? Uh. Or is it Spider-Men? Spider-Man? And what about the woman? There are two of them, at least. Anyway. Uh, four. Jessica I said it, Drew. See, I said at least. Uh, I know, I'm just going to see Jessica Drew. I can never remember the one with the cool black <laughs> costumes name. Oh. Uh, Ariana... Is the name of the other one, it's, or whatever the Spanish is for Spider, and Spider Gwen. Well, then, and the one is and Pe- then Penny Parker. And Penny Parker is yeah. also Spider. Uh, Penny Parker. Yeah, these are ones that exist in some degree or another in the regular six one six Marvel universe. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Spider Gwen is technically from an alternate one, but she has crossed over into the six one six on a couple occasions. So that's that's the only reason I can give her. Plus, her costume is. Just the best. Oh, badass. Anyway, side note. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, yes. So, even the Oxford companion to beer seems to diss the style, calling Beer de Garde the only widely acknowledged French contribution to specialty brewing. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Suck it, France. <laughs> yeah, really. Basically. 
looking at the name beer, uh, the way it's spelled is B-I-E-R-E, with the first E having an accent. Yeah. Uh, is, fr- yeah. is French for beer. Uh, guard. <gasps> Damnedest thing that. Yeah. Uh, G-R-D-E. G-A-R. Why am I leaving? Like, the A is not there. Uh, anyway, so it's a little less obvious, but it basically means for keeping or for guarding, in a sense. So, uh, in essence, a beer de garde is brewed with the intention of keeping it stored for a period of time until it matures, usually a few months at least. Uh, the style originally originated from the border region between Belgium and France, a region that, that has bred a number of ambiguous beer styles that American craft brewers have taken to experimenting with from time to time. Beer de Garde took root on the French side of the border and became more full-flavored than its cousin, the Saison. BJCP summarizes the differences between the two. Uh, a Beer de Garde is rounder, richer, sweeter, malt-focused, often has a cellar character, and lacks the spicing and tartness of a Saison. Uh, overall, okay. sorry. I was say, that's okay. I mean, we could, we could lose some of that spicing if we're going to go. Yeah. The, the malt-focused one is like the, hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, the beer de garde uh, tends to showcase malt flavors more than hops and can range from blonde to brown in color. A modern example that would be true to the history of the style would, be, would only be brewed in the early spring and would be cellared for several months before being served in the high heat of summer. Yeah, so that sounds I knew it was up. Fine, yeah. So the overall impression of this, uh, it's fairly strong, malt accentuated, as we said, lagered artisanal beer with a range of malt flavors appropriate for the color. All are malty yet dry with clean flavors and a smooth character. You don't see a lot of uh, lagered artisanal beer. No. (coughs) Uh, What's weird about this one, three entirely different colors. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's because you can't just look at it and be like, ah, it's it's this. Um, yeah. The, so the uh, for the appearance, it's a pretty wide uh, appearance range, as as we just said. So um, compared to most beers, from golden blonde to reddish bronze to even a chestnut brown, <laughs> you just have to taste this before you know what it is. Are we talking about horses or beers <laughs> or what here? Right, right. Uh, this is because there are three main versions, the blonde, the amber, and the ugly or brown. Uh, this no, beer that, that that was just a joke I threw in there. Okay. Just... <laughs> um, brown's not ugly. Uh, it's not. I just meant because it's the the, the yeah, one, the, the, blonde, the blonde, two, blonde, and the ugly. the third is the ugly. Always but... yes. Uh, the beer is often uh, often has brilliant to fair clarity, though it's often unfiltered. So some haze does manage to happen from time to time. It tends to have a well-formed head, usually white to off-white, depending on the type. Again, you're going to have that that's color the, variation. And that's the thing. Maybe it's the fault of Hefeweizen, but when I think of like some of these European styles, I do, for some of them, unless it's like a Pilsner, I expect a certain amount of haziness, mm. at least if it's coming from like yeah. some of the German and Belgian areas. Because filtering isn't as hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Well, because a lot of uh, these Euro styles, uh, I think as we've gone through them, we've, we've mentioned it, a lot of them don't pasteurize. Mm-hmm. And they, right. They, yeah. So especially in a lot of these, I think just about every Belgian beer, um, <laughs> the yeast is still alive and continuing to ferment and cause character changes, except for that bottle conditioning. 
They're looking over at Louis Pasteur and going, not on my watch. <laughs> not this day. All right. So uh, when it comes to the aroma, it's fairly sweet, at least from the malt, uh, which also gives a light to moderate, toasty, bready, rich malt character. Just, just fine. Uh, on the low end for esters and little to no hop aroma, though maybe a bit spicy, peppery, herbal, uh, the paler ones will be malty but are missing the richer, deeper aromatics. Um, and they, obviously they have a bit more hops because you know they're paler in color. Um, generally clean, though stronger versions might have light, spicy alcohol notes uh, as it warms, which I, I guess- I find this hilarious, the, the, the differences between, because you know, you're using different malts to get your different colors, yeah. but like, how is this just one thing? That's, yeah, that seems pretty varied. Um, so, which we'll get into again, because the flavor. Uh, so you've got medium to high malt flavor, often with a toasty, rich, biscuity, toffee-like, or light caramel sweet character. I want this so bad right now. Sounds like they just <laughs> described a barley wine to me. I mean... I mean, it's, is it, it doesn't sound like it's too far off. Um, just, I mean, I guess malt alone. So uh, the malt flavors and complexity tend to increase with beer color which makes sense, um, low to moderate esters and alcohol flavors. You also have medium-low hop bitterness. It has some support, but the balance is always tilted toward the malt. So with this particular style, it's, it's less hop, more malt. Darker versions will have more of an initial malty sweet impression than paler versions, but all should be malty in the palate and finish. The malt flavor lasts into the finish, which is medium dry to dry and never cloying. Low to no hop flavor. Again, we're just kind of reiterating this. <laughs> um, so, but paler versions can have uh, slightly higher levels of herbal or spicy hop flavor, but it's still not going to be like, you know, all the IBUs. Uh, smooth, well lagered character, even if made with ale yeast. Aftertaste of malt. Uh, so the character appropriate for, again, the color. Color is going to be a, a thing. Uh, with some dryness and a light alcohol kind of taste. Um, I like that you can make this with lager yeast or ale yeast. Just like, whatever. Just again, just go with it. It's weird that it's one style. It's really strange. Follow your heart. <laughs> That's all I should say, honestly. Um, so the mouthfeel on this is you're going to get uh, medium to medium light. Uh, often smooth, creamy, silky character. Uh, moderate to high carbonation and a moderate alcohol warming effect, but uh, it should be very smooth and never hot as far as fresh, the alcohol. Never, fresh, never frozen mouthfeel. <laughs> yeah. So apparently beer to guard should just be a, uh, yeah, a follow your heart. And in the end you could end up with a, you know, straight liquor or a beer <laughs> or, I mean, it Man, can, be can you imagine trying to judge this? Oh, yeah, no. how the hell would you do it? Like, I I could not be in charge of that category. It's a good thing hardly anyone ever enters into it, but you could enter well, anything, and it's technically <laughs> in category. Not not quite anything, but it has a wide enough variance that, that you could have conceivably something that looks like a Pilsner and something that looks like, you know, like a coconut brown or something. Yeah. They won't taste crazy. like the code I described, but I'm just saying, like, they could. I'm telling you, next year we're going to hear that PBR meddled in Beer to Guard. God. Uh. <laughs> it's coming, I'm telling you. 
They enter it's in a it's in a new category every year and it always it, wins. It is. So okay, so finishing this one off, um, three main variations are included in the style. Just to, to recap here, so we've got the brown, the brune, uh, the blonde, and the amber. The darker versions are going to have more malt character, while the paler versions can have more hops. But again, this style is a malt focus, regardless you, of you, color. You might get to at least as high as moderate hop. Yeah. Not, not going into like you know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did you have, you know, one million IBUs? Yeah. No? Call me when you're there. It's just hop kissed. <laughs> yeah, basically a splash. Uh, so a related style, never even heard of this one before, Beer de Mars, which is mm-hmm. brewed in March, or Mars, uh, for present use and will not age as well. Attenuation rates are in the 80 to 85% range, some fuller bodies, bodied examples exist, but these are somewhat rare. Age and oxidation in imports often increase fruitiness, caramel flavors, and adds corked and musty notes. These are all signs of mishandling, not characteristic elements of the style. I want, uh. I want a beer de Mars. <laughs> I want it's, all it's of a this. Beer, like... It's a beer for war in the month of war. <laughs> Yes. That's immediately what I thought of. <laughs> like, March is the farthest thing from my mind when I read that. It was like, Mars. You okay. just have to be ready for it in March, I guess. That's just how it works. Yeah. Much much like marching off to war. Even, you're not quite at the, you know, you've already planted your seeds. you got to wait for the growing season. True. It's time to start campaigning. So even though, like, it's not even kind of the same beer, the description totally, I mean, I guess aside from the heavy malt bit, but like, Otherwise, the description reminded me of Utopias. Eh, okay, I could kind of, except the, the it's missing the, the, the booty. Well, yeah, and that's which is a whole separate didn't thing. Utop- didn't didn't Utopias also have like a a date characteristic to it, or am I thinking of something else? It's been a long time since I've had Utopias now. Yeah, I'd have the, we'd have to dig back through the docks. I have like everything I've ever been able to find crammed we, in. I mean, we obviously have to buy it again. So when it's available again <laughs> in another two years, yeah. Still. Uh, yeah. It's every four, so. It's every four? Okay, I can't remember if it was every four or every two. I kept thinking every two, but yeah, it's probably four. All right, well, um, speaking but of hey, things that we drink. <laughs> uh, we've probably got a good place to go to get uh, Utopia's next release. Huh? We might be able to just go stand in line at the uh, Sam Adams Tap Room. Oh, good point. Ooh. Hmm. Might be we can all that. <laughs> buy one single bottle to share between the four. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it worked out, you know. Uh, it did. All right. Well, let's uh, talk a bit more about the Belgians that we are partaking. Drink with me, friend. Which are none of these. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. No, it's not. We're all in the ballpark. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're still Belgian ales. Um, yeah, so mine... Uh, is from New Belgium, <laughs> so mm-hmm. not an import. Uh, you know, but you know, you you kind of trust New Belgium with their. Uh, I don't know. What do you, they smuggled they, those. They smuggled those yeasts out of Belgium, fair and square. Probably right. They no, no, not probably. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's no probably to it. It's official. Um, yeah, so I love the label on this, first of all, but this is their, it's from their Belgian collection. I don't know if you can actually see it if I hold it up. Um, yeah, kind of. So this is the, uh, a Belgian triple. 
and um, it is eight and a half percent ABV. Uh, and it just yeah, it just says Belgian style ale, but it, the triple is is considered a separate uh, category in BJCP. But right. um, so it says a golden, sweet, and pleasantly dry Belgian style ale. Um, if you like to more learn more about the triple, you can check out uh, the Trappist ale because that is what the triple. The double, triple, mm-hmm. and quad are all considered Trappist ales. Yep. One one thing I found out during research for this, just in, about in general, uh, the the quad in parts of Belgium is not called a quad or uh, a quadruple. It's hmm. called the Grand Cru. Oh, ah. that's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Le Grand Cru. Did not know that. Um, I don't know how I feel about this beer. I was going to say, you have thoughts uh, about the original beer? New Belgium beer. That is their first beer. Uh, I like, thought that was Abby. Oh, yeah, it was Abby. Oh, yeah. Quad well, came later. Um, keep, continuing to drink it, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting used to it, and it's it's fine. Like, I'm not going to just not drink it. But, so, on my first, well, smell and taste, I got... Oh, God, I have to look up, like, the... So, you know that, that like... Uh, kind of amber-colored Listerine. Yes, like the cl- there's some in my apartment like, right now. Yeah, okay. yeah. So no, I only use the purple. It's not purple. <laughs> I'm not touching it. But you know that, like the smell of it and everything, right? Like, no. Okay. Yeah, the the the. I, I know what you're talking about. We use it to clean floors. <laughs> yes. And basically, yeah. So that that is what I got from this smell and taste on on first impression. Um, had had a very had a very antiseptic. Yeah. Smell and taste. Yeah, okay. It was a little upsetting. Uh, I mean, it 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 ta- it's less so now, but definitely, like I had a really tough time getting past that. Um, so yeah, it's not my favorite thing, but you know, it's not. After a while, it's not bad. <laughs> Maybe does it lose some of that as it warms up, or is it just uh, that you've 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 grown accustomed to the taste? I think it's the uh, accustomed to it because it. I still like if I like just kind of wait a second like on the back of my tongue it's like it's still that weird and it's not quite minty but it's that weird yeah. uh it's the chloroseptic thing you know it's just yeah uh, it, it's it's not minty but it has that mouth numbing quality that yeah and that that specific taste i ugh, yeah is it not, not maybe maybe there's like a clove thing coming from it maybe I mean, usually I like clove stuff, though. I, I don't know. I, know, I, I just meant, like, when I'm thinking of mouth-numbing, I just went, maybe cloves, maybe. If I'm, I'm just, thinking, like, if I'm thinking double, triples, and quads, I'm thinking clove, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not getting clove from it. It's strange. But, yeah, I, not my favorite, but, um, it's, it's, you know, I'll drink it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I've had something I've been holding on to for a little while from that, that famed drink tracular trip, which I had for the first time down there. We all had it oh, for the, the w- first time down there because that was the first time it was available. Yes. Uh, but we've got uh, New Belgium, La Folie, their PX Grand Reserve. Mm. It's a nice black label. So this is a. I actually couldn't find the PX Grand Reserve on Beer Advocate, where I usually kind of get my styles and stuff from. Uh, the regular Grand Flea is a Flanders Old Brune. Mm. But this is that uh, aged with uh, Pedro Ximenez sherry barrels uh, aged in lawfully sour brown with Tahitian vanilla beans. Jeez. Yes. 
<laughs> you don't hear that area for vanilla. Usually it's always like Madagascar. No, but this is uh, it's about 8%. And uh, on Untapped, the only place I could find a rating for it, 4.11 out of 5. Wow. Uh, wow, yeah. yeah. So this is <laughs> this is a real good beer. It is it is, it is is sour. It's tart. Uh, but it is... Mm. It's it's almost got kind of like a... Uh, the maltiness gives it almost like a coffee aroma. That may be the, the, the malty and the vanilla. Mm. That sounds fun. Making me think of like a... But... Mm. <sighs> No, it, it's, it's brown. You would think it would be. You would think it'd be super heavy, but it's not quite as bad as that. It's actually kind of like a medium. It feels like more like a medium body kind of thing, and it's got a. It's got a nice, just a, just a, just enough sourness in there to kind of like, keep your mouth feeling like you're tasting stuff. Like mm. it's, it's good. Uh, it lingers in a good way. This is uh this is one of those like we got up there and then I went you you give me that bottle I'm not leaving without that but no, this is pretty pretty good yeah, I, I have to agree I'm not just pretty good I loved it when I first had it uh, got oh, yeah. it on draft at New Belgium it was amazing mm-hmm. so what are you drinking Chris all right well again to keep with the uh, two theme not to theme thing we got going here I am having uh, an Ode Goose. From uh, Trace Fontaine or Dry Fontaine, however you want to say it, uh, a Trappist monastery. Uh, so, Old Goose, uh, the name of it is the Trace Fontaine Old Goose from Trace Fontaine. The style is Old Goose. How many times can I say the same thing? Right. Uh, There's two Old Goose. Six percent ABV. And uh, to get uh, some information on this, because it's a little difficult to find a lot of information on their stuff. Because just now, like, mass importing. Like, for some reason in our area, there's suddenly Trace Fontaine everywhere. And I'm loving it. So, So, uh, usually sourced from uh, Beer Advocate. I had to get it from Untapped. Got a 4.1 on Untapped. I win, Chris. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) this is a true goose. A blend of one, two, and three-year-old lambics. Actual lambics, one of the uh, lambics that people over here can't uh, try and piddle around and argue and say, "Oh, well, they're not from the actual region." No, these are actual, actual lambics, unfiltered and unpasteurized, and aged in the bottle for at least six months after blending. Continued fermentation in the bottle gives this goose its famous champagne-like spritziness. I had it was very difficult opening it quiet enough to not wake up the baby because the last time I uncorked one in here it was a massive thump. Just yeah. that sound you want, but I'm trying to avoid it so it don't wake the baby up. Yeah. Uh, the lambic that goes into this is uh, brewed only with 60% barley malt, 40% unmalted wheat, aged hops, and water, spontaneously fermented by wild yeasts and matured in oak casks. Trace Fontaine Eau de Goose is a blend of one, two, and three-year-old Lambics, uh, spontaneous fermentation, patient maturation in oak barrels, and continued evolution of the ecosystem in the bottle result in a distinctively complex and elegant natural beer. No two bottlings are alike as there are multiple variables in the blending process. 
a variety of barrel sizes and shapes, differences in aged lambic proportions in the blend, etc. When the cellared proper when cellared properly, Trace Fontaine Eau de Goose can be aged for several decades. The aromas Jeez. and flavors will evolve from notes of vibrant fresh citrus, zesty and grassy notes to a mellow oaky stone fruit bouquet as the lambic continues to develop with time. Lambic and goose are living cultural heritage rooted in the Zane Valley. Taste, savor, and enjoy the experience of this bottled, fermented, unfiltered, unpasteurized, and unadulterated beer with friends new and old. I'm trying to picture like a bouquet of peaches. I mean... Well, stone fruit, so what? there's, there's other stuff there too. Cherries? Yeah. Cherries, avocado yeah. fruit? Uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's ask Anthony from Queer Eye. Yes. <laughs> let's. Yeah. Coming, coming, coming soon to a Netflix near you. Oh, yes. The next Sorry. Season. Here, next you weekend. gotta try this. I want you to try Oh. <laughs> I didn't realize you were talking to Brittany. I thought you were giving it to your child. Oh, yeah. No, the baby. Here, you gotta try this. Smells pretty tart. He's got to learn how to drink responsibly. You start him early for that. Got to put some hair on those peaches. Speaking of hair on those peaches. Oh. <laughs> no. uh, Chris, do you wish I was there to appreciate it? Yes. No, this is young. Um, oh. Extremely young. I'm, so my cellaring days may be like slowly coming to an end, except for some things like this. Uh, I would love to go get another bottle to store away as it said for a couple decades maybe even to see what happens with it you could drink you could drink it with your boy <laughs> exactly <coughs> daddy's been saving this for you dad i don't like beer look you're gonna drink it. we're having a moment here he's gonna be like let the, me have this the hang hill but for for beer it's like i don't i don't use propane not in this I house use charcoal dad not in this house uh, also, uh, so I found because I, I didn't have mine um, up in time, but the uh, untapped rating on the New Belgium triple is a three point five six out of five. So, okay, not yeah. great, but not bad. So, well, no, that's 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 just, that's above average. Yeah, so two point five would be average. So. It's forty three IBUs, which I'm just like, huh, I really can't tell. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to get a lot of IBUs from any of the things we've been drinking tonight. Yeah. Uh, but uh, sounds like, well, me and Chris are in, kind of enjoying ours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think it's going to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, don't forget, you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. You can follow us at Have a Drink Show on social media or on twitch.tv. And don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. And you can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com or the feedback page on the website. Uh, turns out shouting really loud to the heavens has not been working out great. No. Carrier pigeon, though. That's the new, the wave of the future. It is. We've uh, we, we've built a, a, a fine rookery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Send out the ravens. We're waiting. All right, all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone, please drink responsibly.
All right. And you can check us out again for uh, next weekend for the next live episode, hopefully. And um, also remember to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show. It really does make a huge difference for us. Uh, helps pay for all the things that we do for it. Helps keep the show going, uh, <laughs> Basically. quite honestly. Uh, so once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We will see you guys next time. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>